I had no idea when I prayed that prayer 40 years ago that I would end up sharing my faith with tens of thousands of Jewish people. But it came with saying yes to God and then praying and asking God to show me what's the next step. Welcome back to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Ezra Benjamin. And I'm Carly Berna. And we are a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus, and we believe there's value in looking at history and today's world and the headlines we see in the news through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Carly, we're in the middle of uh, a two-segment interview with Jonathan Barnes, president and CEO of Jewish Voice Ministries International. And uh, incidentally, for our audience's information, both your and my boss here at the ministry where we serve in our spare time when we're not recording this podcast uh, over here in Phoenix, AZ. And uh, if you haven't listened to the first segment of Jonathan's story, his testimony, do that before you listen to this one. If you have listened to that, welcome back. And we want to jump right in here. Jonathan, thanks for uh, being back with us. Good to be with you both. Thank you. So where we left off in your story is... Uh, there's a successful and growing ministry, Jewish Voice Ministries International, which was really the synthesis of some uh, media broadcasts to reach the Jewish community and the Christian community, and also uh, great missions and evangelistic experience uh, in North America and in former Soviet Union, and also some successful congregational planting. Not a bad report card. But all of a sudden, in the late 90s, you find yourself in rural northern Ethiopia, of all places, standing amidst throngs of people who are identifying themselves as Jewish, who are desperately poor. Many of them are sick. And yet here's this community that says, we know that thousands of years ago we came from Israel. That's quite a shift. T tell us about that. Well, it was totally unexpected. It, but it was it was a totally a God thing as well. A board member of Hero Israel and one of our major donors had burden for Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia was not unknown to Israel and the Jewish community. There had already been airlifts of the Beta Israel. The, the community there is called the Beta Israel, the House of Israel. And they had already been recognized as uh, historically part of the people of Israel. And Israel had already received immigrants through two operations, Operation Moses and then Operation Solomon. And uh, in, the, in the 1980s, they were already an established Jewish community, but the majority, as I understood it, had been taken out of Ethiopia. I went at this board member's request with a small group to his vision was we need to do something to help these people because they're in extreme poverty. I had no idea how great their poverty was and their rejection and how Jewish they really were. I, I went to Ethiopia and I was amazed by the whole culture. It was something so different than anything I had ever experienced. And as I toured the Beta Israel community in an area called Kicheni and watch them make their own pottery and listen to their testimony, discovered that they really needed help and that they were truly, I, it was obvious to me, these are Jewish people. They had been persecuted throughout the, uh, the, the, the centuries. They uh, were very isolated. They were ingrown. There was just so many different factors. I just, everything lined up for me 
And then we went up to the northern region of Ethiopia to a city called Gondar, which is kind of the epicenter of the Jewish, of the Beta Israel. And I saw how destitute these people were. They had, uh, just one example, there were people that were dying of dental issues, dental infections, because they didn't have a dentist within 300 miles of Gondar, no dentist. And they couldn't afford to come into Addis Ababa for, to get dental help. So uh, some would just die and they had the terrible uh, medical and, and dental problems. And I, I just, as I toured the community and saw this abject poverty and talked to the leaders of the community, I knew that we had to do something. And I made a commitment to come back the following year we had already been doing some medical work in conjunction with the festivals in the former Soviet Union. So I was connected with a medical team, a, a wonderful uh, doctor who used to work with uh, Operation Blessing for CBN. And uh, he had mobilized doctors to come with us to, to Russia uh, and uh, Belarus and Ukraine and so on. And I promised the community I'd come back the following year and do something to help uh, the Beta Israel with their medical needs. And the following year, it's actually 1999, not 2000, which I said earlier, I came back with a small group of doctors and we held a small medical clinic and we were just overrun with need. It was, it was shocking. And the things we saw, we saw leprosy, we saw polio, terrible cases that the World Health Organization uh, say have been eradicated, but they still exist. Just terrible conditions. We had a dental assistant and we all we could really do was pull teeth. We didn't have the kind of sophistication we do in our medical clinics today, but it made a profound impact on me. We helped about a thousand people and I, I just came back really committed to Ethiopia. And unfortunately, in the years that followed, we weren't able to do much until I went back again uh, and renewed my commitment. And I think it took about, there was about a five-year gap, Ezra, where we really weren't able to do anything. We were just struggling financially as a ministry. And then I went back to, to hold a conference. I was invited to speak at a conference in Ethiopia. And the Lord really dealt with me very strongly about an ongoing commitment to the Beta Israel and an offshoot of that community, the Beta Avraham, which was the first group that I had met. And I, I made a commitment that I, we would hold regular medical clinics. And we've been doing that now, as you said, for, for two decades now. Right. So was the idea, you know, we understand, and we've talked in another episode, Carly, about the idea of scattered Jewish groups, right? Like the lost tribes of Israel, these groups that are somewhat disassociated from the mainstream Jewish community worldwide. Jonathan, was, was the idea of the scattered or the lost tribes of Israel on your ministry radar before Ethiopia? I mean, now looking at what Jewish Voice does around the world, it's a huge facet of our of our uh, missional and congregational planting work. Was this something you were thinking about or the Lord sort of just dropped it on your lap? Yeah, I think it, and I think it sets Jewish voice apart from many of the other Jewish ministries. We're, we're unique in that we have a special calling to, to seek out, to connect, to assist, and to bring to faith these scattered tribes of Israel. Uh, but it was not in my mind when I went to Ethiopia at all. And it wasn't in my mind when we started doing medical clinics in Ethiopia. I think that came later. One, 
people started to seek me out and to seek Jewish voice out from all over Ethiopia. And then we started to get letters from other countries like Nigeria and uh, Zimbabwe, a number of other countries. I, I People just through the, the medical clinics, people started to connect with us and talk about other lost tribe communities or members of the lost, those lost tribe communities would contact us. It was not in my mind really until I was in Israel and talking to a friend, a pastor friend from Zimbabwe. And I had been hearing about a group called the Lemba and I tasked him with that responsibility and then began to get these follow-up uh, communications from the Lemba. And it was only after I went to Zimbabwe we actually uh, went together and met with the Lemba community and the relationship that developed with the Lemba that it became clearer and clearer. We have a unique calling here to the scattered communities of Israel. But no, Ezra, it was not in my mind when I went to Ethiopia that this was the next step in reaching all of these different communities. I was committed to planting Messianic congregations around the world and, and go to known Jewish communities. But the idea of these scattered lost communities really didn't become clear until a decade ago, a little over a decade ago. And so to maybe our more skeptical listener who hears things like Ethiopian Jews, and I don't, we didn't mention it yet, but another group Jewish Voices been involved with for years, the Bene Menasha, children of Manasseh over in Northeast India, and then the Lemba in Zimbabwe. And maybe somebody unfamiliar with this is going, you know, yeah, right. And, and this seems very far-fetched at best, and maybe at worst, like people are inventing a Jewish identity. Do you see in the scriptures kind of an underpinning for this idea that there's scattered Jewish groups? And if so, What's the heart of the Lord for that? And why should that matter for Christians? I see it everywhere I look now in scripture. It's so obvious because it's it's our calling at Jewish voice. It's such a dominant part of our calling. It's so obvious to me. God said repeatedly, it's repeatedly found throughout the pro prophetic writings that if you disobey me, it's in the Torah as well, that if you obey me, you'll be blessed and remain in the land but if you are disobedient, if you follow after other gods, you will, I will scatter you to the nations of the world. That repeats itself over and over again. And so we have these repeated exiles of the Jewish community. Uh, we have the Babylonian captivity, the Assyrian captivity. We don't have any information about the Jews of the Northern Kingdom ever returning. And that, so we have the mystique of the, of the lost 10 tribes. And then you have the Babylonian captivity in 586. You have a remnant of them returning. And then you have the Roman captivity and then the scattering of the Jewish people after the, after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD and then the Bar Kokhba revolt, which uh, took place in the beginning of the second century. So the scattering of the Jewish people and then the wandering of the Jewish people from nation to nation throughout, throughout history is a big, big part of our of Jewish history and a big part of God's uh, decree for the Jewish people as, as a people. But then he also says, I will also bring you back. When you turn back to me, when you cry out to me, I will bring you back. I'll bring you back to your God and I'll bring you back to your land. And we've seen the modern miracle of the restoration of Israel 
just in the last uh, 70 years, right? We have Israel restored in 1948. We have Jerusalem restored in 1967. But along with that, people aren't as aware of a spiritual restoration of the Jewish people. When God says, I will restore you, it's both a physical restoration back to the land and it's a spiritual restoration back to God. And Jewish voice is uh, focused on the spiritual restoration, which is the promise of God for our people in the last days. And we're seeing it come to pass. There's more Jewish people now, Ezra, that believe in Jesus as Messiah than probably any time in history. And I would probably say, although we don't have, I don't have numbers to confirm this, there's more Jewish believers today than I believe existed in the first century. It's amazing times. And there's, you know, the statistics we have say that in terms of, you know, how do you count the Jewish community worldwide? Well, it's up up for debate. But if you count the Jewish community worldwide in the same way as Israel considers people's right as Jews or descendants of Jews to return, there's over 22 million Jewish people in the world. And as these scattered tribes are emerging onto worldwide, you know, awareness whether they're recognized by the state of Israel yet or not, though that number continues to increase. And Jonathan, I'm thinking back to you know the first segment of your story. You you came to faith. You knew God's calling you into ministry, and you said yes to Him. And that was for a Western New York Jewish community, and then partnership throughout North America in what God was doing with Jewish people. Then into former Soviet Union South America, and now to Africa and India. Just a yes to the Lord from a new Jewish believer. God's used in, a, in an incredible way. And, and what an amazing testimony, what a yes will do. What, and it's one yes after the next. You, you walk in the revealed light you have, and then God opens up the next door if you've been faithful. And for me, it's just been a step-by-step -step experience. I look back and it's just been amazing. The Bible says that that our steps are ordered by him, and we're not supposed to look at the whole journey. We, we end up being led throughout the journey as we walk step by step. It, it's it's hearing God's voice in direction for the next step that really matters, not getting the whole picture. You don't want the whole picture, by the way. It'll, it'll be too frightening. But the next step, say yes to the next step. So what would you say your calling is? It's two parts. What's your calling to the Jewish people? And then do you have any sense of calling as it relates to the church? I, I believe I do, Carly, and I, it's it's and it's a very simple calling, really. If you distill it down, it's very simple. My calling to my own people is to share what happened in my life and let people know that the same God who changed my life can change their life. I'm a one-trick pony. It's been the same message that I've discovered that Jesus is Yeshua, salvation. He's the Messiah of Israel, uh, the Savior of the world, but the Messiah of Israel. He is the destiny for our people, the people of Israel. And I want every family member, and I'm talking about the wider family, to hear and, res and respond to the grace and the love of God in providing his son. Uh, first to the Jewish people. The, the Bible says that the gospel is first to the Jewish people. I, I believe also he's called me to help the the church, Christians. And, and when I say Christian, I, I just want to be very clear. I'm talking about people who have a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God that don't come from a Jewish background by blood. 
you've been grafted in. You're a spiritual son or daughter of Abraham. And part of your calling is to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy and to understand that the gospel is first to the Jewish people. And I want to see Christians do the same thing that Susie did for me. That Remember Susie, that David, the wrestling coach, did for me, that that Bible study leader back in Buffalo did for me. They opened my eyes. They, they planted the seeds of the gospel, and they helped open my eyes as a Jew to my Messiah. And I think that responsibility rests with every true Christian, every true follower of Yeshua that isn't from a Jewish background. You have a calling as a grafted-in member of the household of Abraham to reach those that are from a Jewish background first. That's And if you don't know a Jewish person, pray for one to come into your life and pray in general for the salvation of the Jewish people. When, it's, when we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it's not just for the security of the state of Israel, but it's for the Jewish people to discover true peace, which can only come through the Prince of Peace. So that, that, that word that's used is the word shalom. And it's again, it's not just security. It's a much bigger word that has to do with completion, with wholeness. And that wholeness only is found in the Messiah. So that, that's, that's part of our calling as a ministry as well. We want to help Christians to understand that they have a responsibility to the Jewish people. And it's not, again, it's not just the security of the state of Israel. It's the salvation of the Jewish people. It was Paul's heart cry in Romans 10.1. My heart's desire and prayer for Israel, Paul said, is that they might be saved. That, that's that simple. So you mentioned Romans uh, 1.16 that says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And, of course, the organization you lead now, Jewish Voice Ministries, really focuses on that, on that verse. Why does this matter, especially to a Christian that's listening, that may have never noticed that first to the Jew, then to the Gentile part? Why is that important? Well, many teach that this is just sequential, that this is history, that the gospel first came to the Jewish people, and then it spread to the nations of the world. So that's just a statement that Paul is making. That's not the correct understanding of Romans 1.16. How do I know that? Because Paul lived out that verse by going to the Jewish community first in every city that he visited. He went to the synagogue first, and he was self-declared the apostle to the Gentiles. But he demonstrated that that verse, the correct understanding of that verse, by going to, to, the, to the synagogue first, so to the Jew first. And, and that that should be important to every Christian because it's still a priority to God that in any country, the gospel is to go to every ethnos. It's every people group. It's every ethnic group. So in every nation, the gospel should go to the Jew first in that community. The When we look at the ethnos of the world, at the different ethnic groups, the gospel by priority goes to the Jew first, and it, it lines up the salvation, the outpouring of God, I believe it sets into proper order the kingdom of God to operate in great power in bringing salvation to the rest of that nation. The, the, there's another verse you have to couple that with, and it's that the salvation of the Jewish people, what happens when they're saved? Paul says it will bring life from the dead. 
So if we go to the Jew first, somehow there's a spiritual response in the heavenlies that bring outpouring to the rest of that nation. So I really believe that. It's, I, I see it clearly in scripture, and I encourage people, read Romans 11. If you want to get the whole context, go back and start with Romans chapter 9, read 10 and 11, Romans 9, 10, and 11. Paul begins by saying, as the apostle to the Gentiles, I would be willing to give up my eternity for the salvation of my own people, the people of Israel. Why would he say that? And I believe it's because he understood that when the gospel goes to the Jew first, and when the Jewish people come back to God, it will bring life to the dead for the rest of the world. And as the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul clearly had a vision for the world. Yeah, I hope that brings some clarity to some of our believers that may not have understood that before. And Jonathan, you're a Jewish believer reaching others with the gospel. What would you say to our Christian audience who might be hearing this for the first time or really getting it for the first time and saying, okay, it's to the Jew first. What Now what? Now what do I do? What's my role? And what can they tangibly do to do this? Well, as I said, begin to tactfully reach out, not, not just in word, but in deed and in lifestyle testimony with Jewish people in your life. Don't avoid them. Maybe you've shared the gospel with one or two of them and you've had this negative response. Don't give up. Keep praying for them. And if you don't know anybody that's Jewish, pray that God brings somebody into your life. But God will show you also as you pray and, and you, you get a hold of this truth. Maybe today you are hearing this for the first time. I want you to begin to respond now by asking God, God, show me what I can do now about this. And he'll, he'll open up all kinds of doors. Uh, but it begins with prayer. I had no idea when I prayed that prayer 40 years ago that I would end up sharing my faith with tens of thousands of Jewish people, but it came with saying yes to God and then praying and asking God to show me what's the next step. And he's always showed me, Carly, and he'll show any of you that are listening what the next steps are for you. And Jonathan, next, speaking of next steps, as we kind of wrap up here, you're, you know, we, we already threw some numbers and dates out so people understand you're not a new believer. You're, not, you're no longer a young adult, and yet the Lord's called you in this season with all these decades of, of fruitfulness and success to actually engage in a new ministry initiative in one of the largest cities in the world, in L.A. What are you up to there, and what does that have to do with how the Lord's used you and your story to to reach Jewish people? What's the unique segment of the Jewish community you're hoping to reach in L.A.? Ezra, as I said earlier, 1993, I moved to Russia. And from 1993 on, uh, I've been focused on the nations outside of the United States, both known Jewish communities and these scattered tribes. And the reality is that a, a large proportion of the Jewish community worldwide lives in the United States. There's over 6 million Jewish people. So you gave a number of 22 million. We don't know what it is. The official number is thir between 13 and 14 million. It could be 22. It could be 30 million. We, we don't know because we, we there's so many... Uh, scattered tribes. And then we, we also believe that someone that has a Jewish father is Jewish. A large number of Jewish, of the Jewish community, a large proportion of the Jewish community lives here in America. About 6 million of the official Jewish community of 13 to 14 million live in America. It's, a, it's, it's the largest Jewish community outside of Israel and might even 
be larger than Israel still. And the Lord began to speak to me about the Jewish community here in America. And the largest Jewish community in America is in New York. The second largest is in uh, Los Angeles. And for a decade now or more, I've been thinking about how to reach the Jewish community here in America, that the, how to reach the younger generations. The Jewish community has become far more secularized than, than my generation. And there, there really isn't an, an awareness of God, but there's an openness. There's not this same bias that Jesus isn't an option for us. And I begun to focus my attention on LA. Unfortunately, LA has been in lockdown. We haven't been able to do that much. But if you want to influence culture, look look at the influence that LA is through the music industry, through television and the movies. LA has is a huge influence center, and many of the people in those industries are Jewish. So it's an incredible opportunity, and I, I believe that the Lord is speaking to me about focusing the, the really probably the final chapter of my ministry on. Uh, reaching the Jewish community here in America. And I believe there's going to be a great revival in this country. We're going through turmoil, through one of the greatest challenges in our history. It's been a, the last year has been chaotic and there's been a lot of uncertainty and upheaval. I believe in the midst of that, the Lord wants to do something profound and we're going to see an outpouring of his spirit, a revival that may be the greatest revival in history and that includes the opening of the eyes of the Jewish people, which God has promised in his word, that, that the eyes of the Jewish people would be open and the day would come when all Israel shall be saved. And I believe that includes America. And that's, that's what he's put on my heart. Amen. And, you know, I think we've been talking a lot here at Jewish Voice. You know, there's so much from, from Jesus' mouth. Uh, he himself indicated all the kind of negative, even scary, dark things that are going to happen before the return, before his return. But at the same time, there's some amazing things also promised in the scriptures that we're going to see leading up to and at his return as well, and revival worldwide and salvation breaking out like we haven't seen in a couple millennia within the Jewish community. The prophets saw it, Jonathan, and thank you for your ministry uh, reaching both scattered and mainline and, and otherwise Jewish communities and their neighbors. What an important thing. Well, Ezra and Carly, thank you both. Uh, you're doing an incredible job at Jewish Voice, and your efforts to reach younger generations is, is so important to me as one of the old guys. Uh, the, the torch has to be passed. And I believe God is going to do an incredible work among younger generations. And I'm not just talking about millennials, but Gen Z. My kids are Gen Z. And I, want, I believe millennials, Gen Zs can change the world and will. So Jonathan, parting thoughts here. One final question. Along those lines, you know, we Carly and I receive communication from some of those younger listeners who have what we'll call a Jewish heritage. So one of their parents or a grandparent is Jewish and they find themselves either in the Christian community or interested in Jesus, but they don't know what to do about their Jewish heritage. Just speak to them as kind of a final thought here. How should they be thinking about that? What are the next steps if, if somebody listening today has a Jewish background? Ezra, I love that you use the word heritage. We're actually calling the work in LA heritage. There, there's a concept in the scripture called 
Vidor Lador. It's from generation to generation. God cares about continuity. It says that his covenant with Israel is everlasting. It's eternal. His covenant through, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is from generation to generation, and it repeat, we're repeatedly exhorted, we're, we're, we're exhorted to, to teach our children so that they can teach their children. This is a handoff. This is a baton race, and we're handing it off from generation to generation. This is a critical part of not only the heritage of the people of Israel, the Jewish people, but it's part of the heritage of the, of the of the of new covenant faith as well. Paul says that what you've heard from me, I want you to teach others who will teach others faithfully. So it's there's four generations that are represented in that handoff. That's why your identity is important. That's why your heritage is important. You're part of a baton race and until the very end, until the final wrap up, this baton has to be handed down part of the race until we reach the finish line. So I want you to get a hold of this. If you have a Jewish parent, you're part of this baton race. If you're a believer in Yeshua, you're part of a baton race, and you need to get ready to have that baton handed off to you from generation to generation, an eternal covenant that God has ordained until the redemption of the world. And so your heritage matters. Amen. Jonathan, thanks so much for being with us on these two segments. And uh, next week, my story is up as well. So uh, you've heard the, the the Jewish young adult who reluctantly maybe receives Jesus. And next week, you'll hear the story of uh, the Jewish believer who reluctantly is pulled by God back into his Jewish identity. And in fact, that becomes his calling. So two sides of a similar coin. But Jonathan, thank you again. Thank you, Ezra. To our audience, thanks so much for listening. I hope that you learned something, got something out of Jonathan's story. Again, this was two parts, so go back and listen to the other one if you haven't. Uh, just a reminder that this podcast is fully listener-supported. Uh, if you like what you hear and the content is something that you enjoy, you can give us a gift to continue supporting us. Uh, you can do that at a ajewandagentiledisgust.org. Uh, just something as small as $10, a one-time gift, or you can join our our monthly after show club where you can get behind the scenes information, um, more videos and audio content than you hear on this podcast, as well as we have the opportunity to send you some of our Ethiopian coffee from uh, one of the countries that we travel to, to do ministry. Uh, so if you give at that higher monthly level, uh, you can receive that as often as you'd like uh, right to your door. So again, more information at a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. If you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love if you leave us a review, share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media at the handle a Jew and a Gentile discuss. Uh, leave any questions or comments you have and we'll be sure to answer them on the podcast. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you next week. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.